0: come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Happy New Year. This is fine, family. I'm your host, Dominique, and I am so, so, so excited to kick off the new year with you. Today, we're keeping it light. You might be hungover, exhausted, overwhelmed, or just trying to get back to work in one piece. So we're going to be easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl over here today. Let's start the new year with some levity, you know? If you didn't hear my thank you speech in the last episode, I want to thank you again for making This Is Fine a top shared and followed podcast globally. According to our Spotify wrapped, your support of our podcast in only six months put This Is Fine in the top 10% of the most shared podcasts and the top 15% of the most followed podcasts across the entire human earth, which is mind melting to me. So thank you. And I promise to continue bringing you stories and lessons worth sharing and subscribing to. The party is just getting started. With all that being said, if you'd like to help us keep creating this content for you and you have the means, please head to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thisisfinepodcast. Despite what headlines might have you believe, podcasts don't make a lot of money. So if this podcast adds value to your life and you'd like to help us keep the lights on, you can do so for as little as $3 a month and we'd be so, so grateful. All right, for today's episode, I know this is pretty cliched, but I want to talk today about New Year's resolutions, goals, and intentions. See, I can't even get through the sentence without laughing. I've always been enamored with January. It's a theme for me. I love mornings. I love springtime. And yes, I love January. I think it's because it all represents a fresh start, a new beginning. Everything's brimming with possibilities. That special newness is invigorating for me. So even though it's a played out topic in early January every single year, I'm hoping my borderline diluted optimism and positive perspective will imbue your new year goal setting with some fresh energy. For starters, let's lead with the most obvious. Most New Year's resolutions fail. And as a reminder, I am a certified health and nutrition coach, a longtime fitness and wellness reporter, and also a Virgo, so I feel rather well positioned to speak on this topic. 2022 statistics say that 64% of New Year's resolutions of the participants surveyed were goals around health, weight loss, and self-development. To me, that's basically one category. The majority of us want to be the happiest, healthiest versions of ourselves. But according to a very loose meta-analysis on this topic that I just did myself, only about nine percent of people, if that, fulfill their New Year's resolutions in any given year, which leads us to think there's about a ninety-one percent failure rate. Obviously, it's impossible to track every single person, understand what every person's goals are, how they set themselves up, etc. So the science is kind of messy, in my opinion. But it makes sense when you look at the data historically, and even just anecdotally, most people do not keep their New Year's resolutions. You know this, I know this, we all know this. Inversely, and this might make no sense right now, but we will come back to it, setting a resolution or goal with intention can increase your odds of keeping to it for six months or more by about tenfold. I promise we'll come back to that. I know it sounds kind of complicated. And before we get into the pitfalls and how that failure rate gets so high, let's also lead with some optimism and some additional context. Let's say about half of Americans make resolutions. There are about 336 million of us here in the U.S. And I know there are listeners in other countries, so I'm sorry for excluding you at first, but just stay with me here. Half of the American population would be about 168 million people. If 10% of those resolution setters kept their goals all year, whatever they may be, then that's 16.8 million people celebrating in December. That's pretty fucking cool. So even though the sound by 91% failure rate sounds daunting, remember the context. There are still literally millions of people who are succeeding. That's a big deal. Let's expand the scope. There are 8 billion people in the world. Half of that is 4 billion. 10% of that is 400 million people. Imagine if 400 million people made a small, incremental but positive improvement to their lives, how much better off would the world be? So back to our questions. Why do resolutions fail? Why do so many people start the year with fresh hope and a vision for how they want things to play out only to leave those dreams by the wayside mere weeks later? And if resolutions are such a bust, why do we keep making them year after year? Quick history lesson, resolutions began perhaps with the ancient Babylonians and then eventually the Romans. In pre-Catholic Rome, specifically, these ancient party animals were making promises to the god Janus, which is where the month January comes from. Janus was the two-faced Roman god of beginnings and endings, transition in time, and doorways and passages. There are a lot of pretty cool themes here, and I love looking at January as a doorway to a new life chapter and a special marking of time and beginnings. This also highlights the fact that there has to be some significance to resolutions, especially if the tradition has lasted about 4,000 years. There's a 1947 Gallup poll of the top 10 resolutions in the US. I'm going to read them to you with a little note after each one, marking the category I think each one fits into. One, improve my disposition, be more understanding, control my temper. Self improvement. Two, improve my character, live a better life. Self-improvement. Three, stop smoking, smoke less. Health. Four, save more money. Career and finance. Five, stop drinking, drink less. Health. Six, be more religious, go to church more often. Self-improvement slash spirituality. Seven, be more efficient, do a better job. Career and finance. Eight, take better care of my health. Obviously health. Nine, take a greater part in home life. Self-improvement slash relationships. Ten, lose or gain weight. Health. Also LOL at gaining weight being a top resolution in 1947. So, despite some nuance, these themes still ring true today. The majority is centered around health, self-improvement or development, and spirituality, whatever that looks like to you. So, eight out of the ten fall into those categories, with the other two being about money and success. Given that health, wealth, and love are essentially the most universal goals, this makes sense. Another theme I noticed is ambiguity. Some of these are so broad, you'll never know if you actually achieved it. For instance, Improve my character is perhaps the most ambiguous one on the list, right alongside do a better job. What do those even mean, really? Others are slightly more quantifiable, such as losing weight or saving more money, but these are still pretty broad. And then there are some defined and finite goals stop smoking, stop drinking. We will get into the differences of these momentarily. Why do resolutions fail? Let's assess some common pitfalls. One, You bite off more than you can chew. In the words of Ellen Griswold, you set standards no family event can live up to. You set standards that no family event can ever live up to. Doing any particular thing every single day for 365 days, losing an insane amount of weight, running an ultra marathon when you've never even run a mile, becoming fluent in a brand new language, cutting out an entire food group. This is the failed resolution starter pack. (laughs) This also applies to any of you, myself included, who make more than one resolution. Too many goals at once means you're a bit scattered, it's overly ambitious, and that's coming from someone whose default mode is multitasking. Two, you aren't specific. Like some of the resolutions in that Gallup poll, if you start vague, you're going to stay vague. Improve My Character is ambiguous, subjective, and doesn't have any clear path to success. But if you resolve to save $1,000 by June, you'll have clear marks in place to track your progress. Research published by the American Psychological Association showed that specificity was correlated with success at about a 90% rate. This is 50-year-old research, but I doubt much has changed in this arena. The quote specifically says, In 90% of the studies, specific and challenging goals led to higher performance than easy, nonspecific goals. Do your best goals or no goals at all. Three, you don't outline a plan. French writer Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, author of Le Petit Prince, once wrote, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Well, he actually wrote, tout objectif, sans plan n'est qu'un souhait, which translates to a goal without a plan is just a wish. But you get it. Without a plan, you're going to be like Tanya McQuad trying to jump onto a boat. That is a White Lotus reference, and if you get it, you get it. Four, you don't have support in place. A plan can be one form of support. So can friends, family, resources, tools, coaches, etc. If your goal is to go to Italy, but you don't have the resources to do so, nor the plan to amass said resources, you can't achieve your goal. If you're inadequately resourced in terms of time, money, and support, it's highly likely that you're going to struggle this year. 5. You don't actually want to complete your goal. This one is probably the most important. Setting resolutions that you don't actually want to execute is why many people lose sight of their goals. You want to get in shape, but you don't want to eat healthy. You want to complete a marathon, but you don't actually want to run. You want to save money, but you don't want to make adjustments to your spending habits or lifestyle. If you don't want to do this, you're likely falling into that 91% statistic. We'll dive into this more when we get to the tips and strategies. Why keeping goals is still important. With all these pitfalls in mind, it's still important to set goals, whether they're on New Year's Day or in the middle of September. The timing is entirely up to you and when you feel motivated to start fresh. If you're astrologically inclined, you may start new goals during a particularly charged or fortuitous transit or on a new moon. If you're following your own life cycles, you may start goals or set resolutions on your birthday. Whatever it is, the core of it all remains true. Setting a goal increases the odds of getting what you want. That weird inverse statistic that I mentioned earlier, you're over a thousand percent more likely to achieve your goal if you set a resolution with a strong intention compared to someone who didn't set a resolution but had the same goal in mind. That statistic I'm talking about looked at individuals who kept their resolution for six months versus those who had a similar goal but didn't set a resolution. The resolution setters at that six-month mark had a 46% success rate, The non-resolvers had a 4% success rate. The lesson here is that getting clear and specific about what you want out of your life, whether it's a fun adventure or a healthier lifestyle or welcoming a pet into your family or a big savings account and a debt-free year, you'll strongly increase the likelihood of getting those things if you make a resolution. So let's do this thing. I'm going to outline nine ways you can successfully change your life this year and manifest some good things in 2023. Without further ado, nine ways to create a dream life by making realistic resolutions. One, ask yourself, what can I actually do? This doesn't always work, but it might work for you, so hear me out. Sometimes, I like to just resolve to do something I can go out and physically complete. Something one and done, something that is not ongoing. Like in 2018, for instance, my New Year's resolution was to get a dog. I went out and I did it, as all of you know. (laughs) One thing, not ongoing, but something that impacted my life for the better every single day since. I got a little too cocky from having completed a resolution and I went ham the next year and I said I'd meditate every single day. I did not complete that resolution. One is finite, one is banking on the fact that you'll be available, motivated, ready, and uncompromised in any way for 365 days straight. One I was able to complete and one I was not. We can't Amazon Prime all of our goals nor handle all of them in one day necessarily. But the important theme for this tip is to give yourself a practical, tactical, concrete thing that you can handle as opposed to something more complicated or abstract. Part of this simply comes down to being realistic with your capacity and having more manageable expectations. A lot of us tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And as we discussed in our holiday slash winter mental health episode with Dr. Gilliland, these expectations can leave us feeling really miserable and down on ourselves. Thinking about, What you have the capacity to actually do is an act of self-kindness. Even if you have a more complex or lofty goal, you can take this approach. Let's say your overall objective is to get healthier this year, it's important to give yourself smaller steps of the things you know you can handle. That leads me to tip number two. Two, break it down, start small, achieve, add small. Get the ball rolling with success and tack on other small tasks or goals to keep it going. Like the first tip, this strategy is keeping something finite and definitive. Let's just say this year, you want to find a dermatologist and that's your resolution, it's that simple. Just sometime this year, you want to get a new derm. If you completed in January, you might feel the elation of this accomplishment so much that you add on another goal, like booking a trip that you've always wanted to go on. Once that trip is booked or completed, you could add another goal. Resolutions don't have to look a certain way or fit a certain template. You're resolving to improve your life in any way that suits you. And honestly, getting a dermatologist and going on a trip both improve your life. And it doesn't require daily resolve to not eat sweets. (laughs) This can also fit into a larger strategy, like breaking down a bigger goal into smaller monthly goals. One of my favorite ways to execute this is something I wrote about years ago for popsugar.com, which was setting a new goal for each month. They were all things that would lead you to feel stronger and healthier. For example, in January, you would try a new type of workout. In February, you would compliment yourself every day or once a week. In March, you would set a personalized strength goal, like lifting a certain weight or holding a plank for X minutes, so on and so forth. This could be a fun way for you to plan out the year while also keeping your goals small, attainable, and incremental. Three, get in touch with your why. One of my favorite coaching tactics I picked up with my precision nutrition coach training was the five whys, which is basically asking yourself why five times. Here's how it works. Write down a resolution and ask yourself why it's your resolution. That's your first why. For instance, if you say, my resolution is to work out, and you ask yourself why, you might say, because I want to be stronger. Then you ask yourself why again. Why do you want to be stronger? That's your second why. Your answer might be, when I'm stronger, I have more confidence. Ask yourself why a third time. Repeat until you've asked why five times. Usually, this helps us get to the core of our desires and goals, understand ourselves better, and figure out ways to stay motivated by connecting to what truly motivates us. What does your goal actually mean in this context? What does it mean? What does it mean? Our true motivations tie directly into our true desires, which leads me to tip four. Four, ask yourself, is this what I really want? Asking yourself why five times also helps you determine, do I actually want to go through an entire year with this goal or resolution? Am I doing this for the right reasons? What's motivating me to do this, and could there be a better way to address this inherent need or want? For instance, if you discover the reason that you want to work out more is because you're dealing with a deep-seated insecurity, perhaps you could pivot and your new resolution is going to therapy to work on your self-esteem and confidence. That sounds condescending, but I'm so serious and it's so normal. We're all dealing with insecurities and therapy can help you directly target it. I am not above you here. I am in the waiting room at the same therapy office just across the coffee table. But if you discover that you want to work out because you simply feel happier and healthier each day when you regularly exercise, and you find that fitness boosts your mood, then you might be on the right track with a fitness resolution. You might also discover that you don't actually like working out, and a year of working out more would either end in failure or unhappiness or both. Perhaps stick to hot girl walks in that case, just to make sure you're getting in some movement to stay healthy without torturing yourself. Figuring out what you want out of life is a bigger discussion than a New Year's Resolution podcast episode, but it's worth investigating on your own terms, so hopefully today is planting the seeds, acting as the catalyst for bigger self-exploration. Mark Manson, author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, explained all of this in a way that made a lot of sense to me and it helped me reframe some of my own desires. He describes his failure to follow his dream of becoming a rock star as a realization that he didn't actually want to be a rock star when it came down to what that reality actually meant. He says, quote, despite fantasizing about it for over half of my life, the reality never came, and it took me a long time to figure out why. I didn't actually want it. I'm in love with the result, the image of me on stage, people cheering, me rocking out, putting everything I have into what I'm playing, but I'm not in love with the process. The daily drudgery of practicing, the logistics of finding a group and rehearsing, the pain of finding gigs and actually getting people to show up and give a shit, the broken strings, the blown tube amp hauling 40 pounds of gear to and from rehearsals with no car. It's a mountain of a dream and a mile high climb to the top. And what it took me a long time to discover is that I don't like to climb. I just want to imagine the top." End quote. This is a powerful revelation and something you can do as well when it comes to setting New Year's resolutions or any goal for that matter. Do you actually want to live the reality of that end goal and live through what it takes to get there? Do you enjoy the process of becoming whatever or whoever it is you want to become? You might want to climb to the top of Mount Everest, but you don't actually like the cold or missing showers or training for months or even actually hiking in general, but you seek something in that goal, that moment atop Everest. What is it? what do you actually want? You have to really, really, really want this, not just the end result, but the day in and day out of what the result requires. In the same vein, another one of my favorite quotes on this subject is from Atomic Habits by James Clear, great book by the way. He says, your actions reveal how badly you want something. If you keep saying something is a priority, but you never act on it, then you don't really want it, It's time to have an honest conversation with yourself. Your actions reveal your true motivations. Five, ask yourself, what brings me joy? Similarly to figuring out your wants in life, let's focus on some joy too. Why not make a fun resolution that you're actually excited about? Use this as a time to make promises to yourself about rest, play, and fun. We're not living in a hyper-religious society anymore, and we don't have to adhere to the idea that a resolution should be deprivation, penance, or punishment. Make a resolution that makes room for the things that bring you joy. Make a goal to buy that dream item you've always wanted, or to take that dream trip, or to try a new restaurant even. Think of it like a bucket list versus a self-restraint game. It's okay to do things just for pleasure with no productivity tied to it. Perhaps you actually do make a bucket list for 2023. I did this for the past two years, separate from resolutions, but I made a list of things that were simple and fun that I wanted to enjoy during the year. These were as small as have a picnic and as grandiose as go to Europe or see Elton John in concert. And as you may have gathered, I did all three of those. Alternatively, if you want to get a little more ambitious or you're ready for a more transformative change in your life, you can use this approach on a larger scale with a more strategic lens. Ask yourself, what does a dream life look like for me? Or what does my perfect day look like? And then start to outline components, activities, and themes. Maybe in your dream life, you try new restaurants all the time, or you have a dog, or you take up painting just for the hell of it. Can you incorporate these dream lifestyle choices into your New Year's goals? I think you can. Six, be specific. One of the dream killers in this resolution context is ambiguity, as we outlined earlier. If you're not specific, you don't have a real goal to achieve. The antidote, obviously, is specificity. Remember that research I mentioned earlier? It may be from 1980, but it's still relevant. A 90% of the study's specific and challenging goals led to higher performance than individuals who set easy goals, do your best goals, or no goals at all. Setting a goal is a great start. Being specific is the rocket fuel to take you to the next level. If you want to read more, Select a number of books and aim for it. Perhaps you keep it simple and say, I want to read 12 books this year, and you break it down to read one book per month. Or instead of, I want to meditate more, you say, I want to meditate 12 times this year. And again, meditate once a month. Or even, I want to meditate for 120 minutes this year, and you can slowly chip away at that numerical quantifiable goal. Maybe you resolved that you're going to have more fun in 2023. What does fun actually mean to you? What specific fun plans can you make? Perfume school in the south of France in the summertime? An Angel concert in New York in the spring? I don't know, I'm just throwing out options. Seven, create a plan. In that same vein of giving yourself specific numbers and goals, you also want to set up a plan. We went over how lack of a plan sets you up for struggle, so the inverse is true. Good plans usually equate to success. If you want to save more money or pay off a debt, give yourself a number and add a date. I want to pay off $12,000 in debt by December, which means I have to put $1,000 a month toward this goal. I can do that by cutting X from my budget or adding Y to my income. The more specific you are, the more strategic you can be. And I would like to point out that just because this is simple in its equation doesn't mean that it's easy to implement. I want to honor that this is a difficult thing to take on. But making a plan makes it easier. Let's say your goal is to run a half marathon. I personally don't love this resolution because my knees hurt when I run, but you do you. Also, this is an easy way for my brain to process and explain a plan. Your half marathon plan is intensive, but it exists and it's clear and you can look at it, understand it and execute it step by step over the course of six or more months. If you're starting from ground zero, you begin with a month of walking and begin to adjust your sleep schedule so you can get up earlier for runs or walks, or whatever that specific schedule is for you. You can also lay out the rest of your walk, run, train schedule leading up to the date of your race. You can schedule the race. You can plan a weekend of events around the race if you're traveling to a specific destination, You can hire a coach if you have the means or download a training app. You can start to educate yourself on marathon training nutrition and start incorporating those foods and dietary habits into your own routine. Though the goal seems to just be do this one thing on this one day, there's an entire infrastructure that supports the goal, and you can customize this plan to ensure it works for you and then have the easiest time possible come race day. Eight, resource yourself. Goals often require resources. Most things we accomplish aren't ever truly 100% on our own, so in order to bolster your chances of success, it is imperative that you have an outline of what kind of resources you'll need. Resources don't always imply financial support, but that's pretty common as well. Most goals do require specific food or equipment, a class or a membership or lessons, perhaps coaching, and all that stuff costs money. Some goals need human resources, a support system, accountability partners, a running buddy or gym mate, a friend to vent to, a doctor, a therapist. Some goals need time as a resource, and you'll have to carve time out by moving some things around in your schedule, perhaps making sacrifices when it comes to lower priority time blocks in order to make room for this new priority. Some goals need material resources. If your goal is to learn piano, you need an actual piano to play. If you want to learn to bake, you'll need flour and eggs and ingredients in an oven. You get it. I feel like I'm mansplaining now, so let's wrap this shit up. (laughs) Nine, choose your identity. Who am I? I don't know. Your resolution may have something to do with how you see yourself, which can actually help you build habits that lead you to your dream version of yourself, or at least a happier and healthier life. James Clear explains that deciding on what kind of person you want to be, choosing a specific identity, can determine what habits support that chosen identity. For instance, going back to the restaurant resolution, I don't know why I keep coming back to this one, it's not my resolution, but whatever, you might take up the identity of being an adventurous foodie, so going to new restaurants would be a part of your identity. If your resolution is getting a dog, you can take on the dog person identity or dog parent identity. If your resolution is painting, perhaps your new identity is I am a painter, or I am a creative person, or I am a person with rich hobbies. I won't pretend to pontificate as if I'm an authoritative voice of the people or some kind of sage, but as of now, I do believe our actions define who we are. If you believe this as well, then this choose an identity New Year's adventure supports this. All right, if you've made it this far, my brother in Christ, hell yeah. Some resolutions I'm deciding on include taking up ballet this year, going to perfume school, and planning a paint picnic. I will definitely be making a 2023 bucket list again, complete with activities, books, travel, and simple things I hope to experience in these next 12 months. And I do have bigger, loftier goals, financial, health, education goals, but I haven't yet committed to them in a resolution because I haven't outlined a plan just yet, and I don't want to let myself down by biting off more than I can chew, classic me. I'm trying to practice what I preach over here. When I have a little more of a crystallized plan, I'll let you know what I'm doing and how things are going, obviously. This was quite a bit to take in, but you just got a taste of what it's like to be coached by me, so I hope it was still fun and empowering for you. Are you thinking about some resolutions or simply setting some goals for yourself this year? I hope so, I'm already proud of you. We've got even more support for you on the way. Dr. Kevin Gilliland is going to be coming in hot with goal-setting advice so you can get more tips from an actual clinical psychologist. We love that. So even if you're not dead set on a resolution now, no rush. We'll reconvene with even more strategy and psychological tactics next week. And if you're feeling the winter blues right now, a little post-holiday depression, uh, I get it. Make sure to listen back to the episode we did last year, episode 24, for what I like to call a therapy light with more of Dr. G's strategies. All right, that's all for now. Happy New Year. Love y'all so much. Until next week, a bientôt. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com.